Okay, my name's Josie Peak. Um, don't know if you guys, I probably haven't met most of you guys, but I've been running the prayer stream in here for the last sort of few years. Um, and I'm from Lovestoft, which is on the East Coast, not too far away. Um, so I'll be here all week um, with the, premin- the prayer seminar stream. And I would love to see you guys join us each day. We're going to build day on day on the subject of prayer. So if you can stay with us for the week, that would be really cool. Um, so I don't know what you guys have come expecting, where you're at. You all might be in very different places with regards to the subject of prayer. Um, you may be coming really passionate about the subject of prayer and excited about it. You may be coming thinking, I don't really get it. I don't know what it's about. You may be thinking, it doesn't work. God hasn't answered my prayer. I'm really annoyed with him. You may be thinking, I don't really know why I'm here. I just didn't know where else to go. I've just landed in this venue. Okay, whoever you are, whatever you're feeling, wherever you're at, you're very welcome here. And my prayer is for you that you will find some answers to your questions, that you will really engage with this topic, and that by the end of the week, um, you will be passionate about prayer. Um, Because prayer changes lives prayer changes things and you're going to receive some really great teaching this week from lots of different people on the topic and so I just wanted to say right at the start before I pass over to our speaker that um there is no pressure okay so growing up for me um I've been on a real journey with prayer um throughout my life and for me I used to come to things like this and sit feeling pretty scared because I'd think what are they going to ask me to do and what's this all about and I feel pressure, sometimes pressure to like get the knowledge, remember everything so I could go back to my youth leader and say, oh, this is what I've learned. I've learned this, 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 or fill my notebook with loads of stuff. I want to say to you right at the beginning, there is no pressure. You just need to chill in this space, okay? God intended you to be in here. God has got something for you. And by his Holy Spirit, he will bring that to light. You will remember things as you go that are going to sow seeds right down and deep in your heart. You don't need to stress, okay? You can take notes, feel free to take notes, but don't feel pressure to try and remember everything. This is not a knowledge thing. It's not about filling your head with knowledge. It's about the Holy Spirit downloading stuff into your heart. Okay, so I'm going to pray about that in a second. But before I do, I'm just going to introduce this guy here. So this is Mr. Brian Heasley, and he um, works for 27... 24-7 prayer, which some of you will have heard of. He's going to tell you a bit more about that. Um, And he's going to talk to us this morning quite generally about the subject of prayer. Okay, so we're going to pray for you guys hearing this message and we're going to pray for him bringing the message. Is that cool? Okay, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you um, for this moment for us to be able to sit and talk about the awesome gift that is prayer. Lord, I want to pray for every single person in this venue this morning. Father, I want to pray that you will give them ears to hear and eyes to see all the things that you want them to hear and see. Lord God, I pray that the pressure would be off, that they would feel chilled, that fear would go, Lord. And I pray that um, your Holy Spirit would just be really present in this venue, that you would bring real clarity to thought, that you would drop things into people's hearts. And I just pray that people would be really present in this moment, Lord, that they would just gear change from leaving that main meeting to coming into this venue, receiving so many different words and information from people. God, I pray that you would just have us be present in this moment and to absorb everything that you want them to absorb. And Lord, we pray for Brian. God, I thank you for his heart, for prayer. I thank you, Lord, for his story. Um, And Lord, I just pray that you would um, just really fill him right now, Father, that you would just bring power to his words. that you will calm any nerves that he's got, Jesus, that you will give him peace as he speaks, um, and that you will just use him powerfully today. Amen. Over to you, Brian. Morning. You all okay? Enjoying sleeping in a tent? (laughs) No? Why not? It's lovely. Right. My name's Brian, as we just heard. I work for an organization called 24-7 Prayer. In fact, I'm the the team leader of 24-7 Prayer. Uh, it's quite a short little lead here they've got me on. Some of you are quite far away, but it's lovely to see you. Basically, tw- can you hear me okay? Is this working? Good. 24-7 Prayer is an organization that's been around for about 20 years, and I've been part of it. We see churches and people all around the world setting up prayer rooms like this 
but much smaller and in lots of different places and praying all around the world. We do things like prayer spaces in schools. We, we, I don't know if any of you use like apps and stuff. We do a little Lectio 365 app. We do different things to help people pray. One of the joys of my job is that I get to travel around the world and see people praying from like... Uh, we met like with a tribe of ex-headhunters in Borneo, which is just in Malaysia. We went up a river about four hours, you know, and on a boat and then, you know, through the jungle. And you meet people that pray like people who live in London. And then if you go to New York, you'll meet people in New York who pray like people who pray in Peru. Or if you go to a prison, you'll meet people in prison who pray like people in cathedrals. That Actually, as I travel around the world, I see that people pray. And that they pretty much pray the same way uh, to the same God. And that they all have the same kind of needs and the same kind of like uh, stuff on their heart and on their mind. Whether that be you're living in the jungle, whether that be you're in prison, whether that be you're in a cathedral. And I'd imagine it still applies to you if you're young as well, that God hears you. One One of the biggest things that we need to understand about prayer is that it's a conversation. I don't know about you, I don't know what you think of prayer, but if, if I've, I've got children, if my son came to me and he said, Dad, I need you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, it'd be a pretty boring relationship, wouldn't it? Imagine if you were in a relationship with someone that all they ever did was just come and they just gave you a list, like a shopping list. I need you to do this, I want to pass my exams, I want to find a man, I want to find a woman, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to travel here. And they give you a list. That's, that's not really a great relational beginning point. The, the beginning point of prayer is conversation. And I firmly and completely believe that God is looking to have a conversation with every single person here in this room today. Now, if you're, if you're a Christian, prayer should be part of your Christian faith. I guess, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we probably, uh, you mightn't do this, but sometimes we beat ourselves up. We're like, oh, I don't pray enough. I should pray more. I don't know how to pray. I only pray when things are getting bad. Prayer's weird. I, I can't pray. I can't say the big long words. All of that kind of stuff. You go along to meetings and you see people praying at the front and they pray these huge prayers. They're really long, loads of words. And you think, I can't do that. You know, I can't pray like that. Well, the, the, the reality is that God isn't looking for you to be eloquent. He isn't looking for you to have the most powerful prayers or the longest prayers. So I'm going to switch arms here. There you go. That's better. I just felt a bit weird. Do you ever get that? It doesn't happen often. Sorry. But, you know, so he's not looking for these, like, most eloquent prayers. He's just looking for conversation. He just wants you to chat to him. It's about a child having a conversation with a father. It's about you sitting and talking to God in your way, using your language, and and the best way that you feel works for you. And the reality is that God listens. So if we were to think about that, right, if you've got a Bible, if you look at Genesis chapter uh, 3, verses 8 to 9, this will just help you, just... uh, you're not going to sit here. We're not all going to sit here for an hour, by the way, and just sweat like crazy. Okay, so we'll do some other things as well. We'll talk to each other. Don't you? Do, the last thing you want to do is listen to me for like an hour. I get that. All right. So let's read Genesis chapter three, verse eight to nine. This is this is it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, "Where are you?" So here we have this beautiful picture of creation, just where it all goes wrong, but it's still a beautiful picture. You have this, in the beginning, creation intent, in this great poem of Genesis, or you you get this sense that in the beginning, God wanted to walk and talk with his people. So in, in, it says that he walked in a garden at the cool of the day. Do you know that there's, a, I don't know if you do a lot of Hebrew, right? But the, the word in Hebrew about walking, it means walking for pleasure. The reflexive conjugation of the Hebrew verb, just to be trying, you know, ground this down into youth speak, is walking for pleasure, yeah? God wants to walk for pleasure 
with each one of you. It was like in the cool of the day. So when the work was done, God would come into the garden and he would walk with Adam and Eve and they would talk. They would ask the questions that they wanted to ask him. They would talk to him about the things that they want to talk to him about. But it wasn't just a list. It was a walk for pleasure in the cool of the day. So when I'm talking about prayer, just to help us, it is about walking for pleasure. It's about where, do you, where is your garden, okay? Where is the space where you walk and talk with God on a regular basis? Because you see, walking and talking, it's this one thing. It's a beautiful word, encounter, encounter. So when you encounter someone... You meet them. When I encountered my son for the first time, like it was, it was pretty grim, if I'm honest, right? But like he popped out. I was, I was just watching. Obviously, I wasn't having the baby, by the way. And and then, and there he was. And I was like, ah, oh, there's a child. You know, I, I knew I was expecting it. Don't worry, my, you know, I was expecting my wife to have a baby. But it was still an amazing encounter where I met my son for the first time. I was like, ah, oh, and it freaked me out, changed me forever. Uh, when we meet different people, we we encounter. I remember the first time I met my wife. Went along to church, right? And she used to play the saxophone in church. This is, this is back in the day when the saxophone was a thing you played in church, right? Okay? And so she was at the front playing the saxophone. And I, I, used to, I think, I don't know if you say it like this anymore, but I thought she's looking at me. She's giving me the eye. She's like on the saxophone, staring at me, eyes meeting. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm in here. So like, I put on my best worship face. Have you got a good worship face? You know, that kind of like, I really love Jesus face. And I like... Hands up, my kind of like best, you know, just as she thought, oh, look at him. He's a lovely man worshiping Jesus. And I kept like trying to look at her and I thought she's definitely looking at me. And eventually I went and started talking to her, but I found out that she's long-sided or short-sided. Basically, she couldn't see any further than the front of the stage. So she had never looked at me once. Absolutely never. But I'd completely uh, misread that, but still it worked. And my first encounter with my wife changed me. So we all have encounters. You will, you will encounter teachers, you encounter your parents, you encounter your siblings, you encounter your friends. You meet with people and they change you. They affect you. People make you happy, people make you sad. You see some people coming and you want to run a million miles. You see other people coming and they make you feel really happy that they've shown up. Do you ever get that person who comes into the room and you think, I'm really glad they're here? And there's another person when they turn up, you think, oh my goodness, I hope they don't sit next to me. Now, I know we're all Christians and we never really think like that, but there are people that we encounter that we get excited about meeting and other people that we encounter that we don't get excited about meeting. We should get excited about encountering God, about meeting with God. Because when he walks into the room, when he walks into your prayer space, into your garden to be with you, he wants a conversation. He's not come to judge you. He's not come to look at you and point a finger at you and say, right, here we are. It's me and God. Uh, Brian, I've noticed you did this wrong this week. You said this, you did that, you went here, you smelled that. What did, God would never talk to you about what you smelled. I don't even know why I said that bit. You know, there's all these different things that you've done. And, and he's standing over you with some sort of big list. That's not how it happens. It is not how it happens at all. God comes to you. And here's, if, you, if you were to go away today, right, and remember one thing. This is the, I'm going to tell you what I want you to remember. God's primary expression towards you is a smile. Okay? God's primary expression towards you is a smile. You may find that hard to believe, but it's the truth. God's primary expression towards you is a smile. When he sees you, he smiles. Psalm 139 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That when, when you are not a, a screw-up, when you were made, God's primary expression was a smile. So when you come into his presence, when you come to talk to him, he approaches you with a smile. So I would, I'd love it if whenever you think about your prayer life, when you think about talking to God, he's smiling. He's a God who smiles, who looks at you as his creation and feels and says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I like you. Hi, I like you. That's what God wants to say every time. Hi, I like you. I, I, I want to be with you. It's born out in Scripture. I could take you through loads and loads of different Bible verses, but it, it's there that God is 100% for you. Now, I'll tell you, I'm going to let you into a little bit of my own story, if that's okay. So when I was, uh, when I was 11, 
my mum died. So, uh, so uh, no, let's go back even further. Don't worry. It's not, I'm 50 now. I'm not going to do year by year and just kill you all with boredom, right? When I was born in Ireland, so I'm originally, I'm Irish. I'm from Northern Ireland. I was born in Belfast. We moved to England whenever I was about nine. When we got to England, uh, everyone used to take the mickey out of the way we spoke because we had Irish accents. You know, we sounded different. And so we were struggling, as it were. About 18 months into our journey into England, my mother died of ovarian cancer. At that point, I had three brothers, so there were four of us, and so it was a difficult time. As you can imagine, at 11, losing your mother, it's very challenging. I didn't react to that very well at all, but I used to go to church, used to come to meetings a bit like this, used to come to camps like this, and used to be kind of like into Jesus, but also used to be into like beer at the weekend. So I had this kind of battle, do you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever had one like that, this kind of battle going on between two worlds. And I, used to, I struggled with it for, for years, until eventually, when I was about 18, I became homeless. So I had to leave home, and I, I used to live, I lived with a friend in a car. It wasn't like the best thing I've ever done, right? And eventually, ended up going to prison. So I went to prison uh, four times as a young man for like, robbery, threatening behavior, violent disorder. Don't worry, I'm really friendly now. It was a long, long time ago. Honestly, honestly, honestly. Okay, so it was like, it was an incredibly challenging time, as you can imagine. I was feeling lonely. I was feeling distant. I was thinking no one understands me. No one understands what I'm thinking. No one understands what I'm feeling. No one understands what I'm going through. I, I, I was pretty self-absorbed, if I'm honest as well. You know, you know, we're just like very into myself and it was all about me. So I was a little bit selfish and very in in my, you know, just in my own head. I don't know if you've ever just got in your own head where you just think I am just like, Anyway, so no one understands me, no one's listening to me, I'm confused, I don't know why my mum died, I don't know why I'm in prison, I don't know why I'm doing all these drugs. Well, I, I did know why I was doing all the drugs, I was doing all the drugs to try and get happy and try and escape the pain. So I'm in all of this kind of pain, and then someone gave me a Bible. And I thought, oh, you know, I've grown up as a Christian, it'd be nice to read a Bible. So... I'm sitting in this probation hostel one day, which is the kind of place you go to after prison, right? Just where they try and rehabilitate you. And I thought, I'll just read this Bible. So, and, and I opened it up, and I came to Isaiah 59, verse 1. And the, the verse, I don't know if you've got it there, Isaiah 59, verse 1 says this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. God's arm is long enough to reach in and to save anybody, to reach in and transform anyone's life. Whatever you're going through, whatever your pain is, whatever your dysfunction is, whatever the stuff that you're struggling with, God's arm is long enough to reach in. But also his ear is clean enough. He hasn't got wax in his ear. He hears you. When you speak, he hears you. So I'm in this probation hostel, and I'm like, oh my goodness, God can save me. God can hear me. I'm like, stuff's going on inside me. I'm a bit confused. I was 20 at this point. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, I met the smiling Jesus. I realized that God was smiling. That God was looking at me in all my pain, in all my dysfunction, and he was smiling. And that he wanted a conversation with me. He wanted to talk to me. He wanted to listen to me. He wanted to help me. He wanted to bring me peace. He wanted to bring me joy. He wanted to bring me everything that I needed to get through life as a 20-year-old dysfunctional human being. God listens. And so God rocked up with a smile on his face and forgiveness in his heart. And I was changed forever. And this is the reality of a prayer life, that you rock up, you talk to a God who has a smile on his face, his forgiveness in his heart, and he has peace and joy that he wants to give to each one of you in order that you could make it in your life as a Christian. That's what it's all about. So when I talk about prayer, it's not boring. I mean, it's just not boring. It's me meeting someone who loves me. It's me hanging out with someone who doesn't judge me. It's meeting someone who doesn't, you know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, can I tell you some of the weird things? I, should, do you want to know some of the weird things I worry about? Or not really? Should I just keep that to myself? 
like my niece and nephew sitting over there, so they're probably thinking, don't sh- overshare, Uncle Brian. But I worry about things like movies. <laughs> do, do, I'm just saying, like, I'm fat. Do you know what I mean? As I got older and I move and they bounce, and I think, oh, my man, I'm speaking. You get that in your head. Body image. It can soon get in your mind. Even, do you understand that, right? That even as a grown-up 52-year-old man, you could worry about your body image. Do you know, seriously, it, it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, but it happens, and you need to understand that. So sometimes I think that the thing about this conversation we have with God is that you, that the, the, here's what the devil wants you to think, it's just me, it's just me, I'm the only one who gets like this, I'm the only one who worries like this, it's just me, I'm on my own, no one else understands that. But when you come to God, he, you realise it's not just you, that actually most of the world is struggling with something, but there's still this God of love and passion who wants to come and commune and talk with you. So we, I, I could go on about the endless little things that go on in my head, what I worry about, what I stress about, but and the, the, the reality is you end up thinking, it's just me. But when you turn up and talk to God, you suddenly realize, not just me. Other people struggle with this stuff too. Other people worry about this stuff too. And God is very present in it. God wants to come and meet me and talk to me within all I'm struggling with, which is amazing. So here's my question to you, right? Where's your garden? Where's the place in your life where you turn up and sit with a God who smiles, a God who understands you, a God who wants to listen to you. So, I'm going to, because you don't want to hear me talking all the time, turn to someone else and ask them where their garden is. And they might say, hey, I don't have one, but I'm going to give you some top tips in a minute anyway. So, ask someone else where their garden is. That would be cool. And I'll sip this coffee. Excellent stuff. I won't let you talk too long. Uh, any, anyone brave enough to shout out where, gar- where, where your garden is? Your bed, best, honestly, one of the best spaces for having your own little garden in your bed. The problem is with praying on your bed, right? I, I think it's a really good space to do it. Uh, praying on your bed is, is excellent. It can sometimes turn into sleep praying, can't it? I don't know if you ever thought that. I'm just going to lay here and talk to Jesus. And then, like, you're kind of like, yeah, you've, we've all been there, haven't we? So, I mean, I'm the, I'm the international director of a prayer movement, and I've fallen asleep in prayer meetings. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember once in a meeting, these guys, we, we used to run a work in Ibiza in Spain. And so they'd all go out on the streets and they'd be like looking after all these drunk people. And I said, don't worry, I'll stay back in the room and pray. And so they're all out like looking after people, serving Jesus. And I'm meant to be covering them in prayer. And I'm like this and all of a sudden, it's like four in the morning, by the way. And I just fell asleep. And so I heard the door open. So, you know, when you're half asleep and I went... <laughs> And then, I, and as I snorted, I just pretended I was speaking in tongues. I went, Shaka like that. And they were, <laughs> and the, the, I, I blagged it. Anyway, we've all, we've all, we probably all haven't been there at four o'clock in a prayer room in Ibiza and done that. But do you know what I mean? It, the bed is a good place, but try and remember not to go to sleep. It's a little bit difficult. Any other good spots for a, a garden? Walking, yeah, absolutely. Walking is one of the best ones. See, this is the problem. If you just think the only time you pray is when you're kneeling at the end of your bed with your hands together, it, walking is a phenomenal way to pray. You know, you can, you can, you can spend so much time with God, put your, put your uh, little eye, ear pod things in, whatever, have a little wander, put a little bit of Christian music on. I can pray to non-Christian music as well, but, you know, put in some really good Christian stuff. Wander along, talk to God. Try to remember, sometimes if you're walking and you talk out loud and people see you, they think you're weird. Do you know what I mean? If you're just going, oh, Jesus, they're like, who's that bloke walking around talking? But walking is a really, really good thing to do. Do you know what other, the other good thing about walking is this is that it helps us with wonder. One of the practices of a good prayer life is wonder. Now, what do you say? What do you mean, Brian? Well, wonder is this, that when you look at something, it points towards God. When you look, uh, my friend Pete was out for a walk, right? And he was praying on his prayer walk, comes up to this tree, and he feels God say, can you just stop and look at the tree? So he stops looks at the tree, and he's waiting for this magnificent revelation. He thinks God's going to tell him something amazing, phenomenal. It's going to be life-changing. He stands, he looks at the tree, and he says, God, what do you want to say to me about the tree? And God kind of in his head went, it's just a nice tree. 
<laughs> it's just a nice tree. But you, you get to see nature. And when you see nature, it helps point towards God. We don't see God in because that's, that's the whole other world. But nature points. It's a signpost towards God. So when we walk, depending where you live, it points towards God. And also, the other good thing about prayer walking, gives you stuff to pray for. So you can walk by the school, pray for the school. You can walk by people's houses, pray for them. So there's a whole, there's two things with that, but also it's just a quiet time thing. Go, I don't know, if, who's got a dog? Anyone got a dog? That's it. It'd be really funny. Just call your dog Jesus. It'd be good, wouldn't it? Because then you can pretend you're pray, you can pretend you're just talking to your dog, but you're talking to Jesus. No. Has anyone ever had a dog called Jesus? That would be, would that be, could you get away with that? I'm just thinking about that. Would that be inappropriate? Here, boy, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he run. Oh, look at Jesus. He's run off in the bushes. <laughs> oh no, Jesus done that in someone's garden. Anyway, no, you can't do it. I've just I've worked it all out in my head. It's not possible in this country. If you're in Spain, you could, because a lot of people call that. I feel like I've gone down a tangent that we didn't really want to go down. But prayer walking, definitely walking and praying, phenomenal thing. Bed. Any other any other gardens in the car if you drive. In the car, number one tip, and you know this is a cheesy old joke, don't shut your eyes, okay, if you're driving in the car, because then you, things will happen. But praying in the car is good. My friend actually used to pray in his car all the time, and he called it his sanctuary. He said, my car is my sanctuary. But then he met this girl, and he took her out for a date, and he was taking her home, and he opened the door of his car, and he went, welcome to my sanctuary. And she was so freaked out. But anyway, she married him in the end and all that, so it was all good. But... But you can, you can turn your car if you're driving. If you're not driving, you will be one day. It's a really good spot. Pop some music on, or you know, there's lots of little good little Bible prayer apps. Those kind of things, super helpful. You're driving along, you're talking to Jesus, you're on your own, super good. Any others? And who said that? You're a genius. An actual garden. Yes, an actual garden would be a good... An actual garden would be a brilliant place to pray. You know, because you can go and sit in a garden. You can think about Adam and Eve. You can, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Gardens are great places for it. I'll give you some other ones. I've got a friend who, when he goes to the gym, I don't know if any of you go to the gym. You can tell by me that I don't. But when he goes to the gym, he uses the weights as part of his prayer life. So imagine you've got like two, two, you've got, you're doing a bench press, for instance. This is a bench press, isn't it? Two weights and you, you go like that. For all of you, yeah, well, whoever does that sort of stuff, right? Bench press. Imagine if you had two friends, and you thought, all right, this one's Bob, this one's Sheila, because we've all got friends called Bob and Sheila, right? And then, like, lifting them up to God in your prayer life as you do your gym work. Imagine that. You could turn your whole gym routine into prayerfulness. You know, imagine going for a run, going for a jog, and thinking, right, while I'm jogging, I'm going to pray for some people. They, these are really interesting and helpful things. A friend of mine... She wanted to pray for uh, the country of Lithuania. She's got some friends who live there. So she wrote Lithuania back. This is weird. This might not work all the time. She wrote it back to front on her toothbrush so that when she was cleaning her teeth in the morning, she saw it in the mirror and it reminded her to pray. Do you know what I mean? So there's like little things like that that you can do as well, like post-it notes. They'll help your, they'll help your garden. Pop a post-it note on a mirror if you've got your own bathroom. Obviously, other people's bathrooms, it's a good thing to do. But there's lots, lots of different things you can do. Have you ever thought about like... Um, getting a stone or a marble and putting it in your pocket, right, back pocket. Every time you sit down, you think, oh, what's that in my, you know, like, oh, anyway, what's that in my back pocket? It could be, it could just say, oh, it's that to remind me to pray for someone. So you can use, you can use like little stones and little things. There's no power in the stone, for goodness sake, but it just helps you to remember to pray. So we've got to, we just got to be creative. We're really creative about lots of other things, but we're not always uber creative when it comes to prayer. So we can create these little moments in our day, sitting on a marble. Oh, that reminds me to pray. You know, uh, here's something else. I don't know if you, when I'm boiling the kettle, right? So rather than running around, let switch the kettle on, stand by the kettle. While the kettle's boiling, I pray. I pray that God would heat people up that I know, people I know who were once Christians and are not Christians anymore. I pray that God would bring them back to the boil. It's my little prayer. It's a weird prayer. But just use whatever you've got. Loads of stuff. So I was doing the prayer room in uh, St. Paul's Cathedral. So, uh, and the, the guy, uh, the Bishop of London, you know St. Paul's, yeah, you know St. Paul's Cathedral, it's in London, right? And so the Bishop of London asked us to do a prayer room there. The Bishop of London was the guy who did Kate and William's wedding. So he married, 
he held the record for the, speaking to the most people in any one go. I think at Kate and William's wedding, it was a billion people, right? So he's quite intimidating. They call him the, 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 the king's bishop, right? And it sounds like a game of chess, doesn't it? But he, he was this bishop, the Bishop of London, big, tall guy, Bishop Richard Schartz. He's, he's just tall, intimidating. So we did this prayer room, and he comes in, and he goes, oh, hey, Brian, very, very nice. And he's all posh. He's speaking to me all posh. And I'm trying to be really polite. And we've done these little, like, kind of prayer strings. So here's a good thing. We've got these little pieces of string, tie five knots in the piece of string. And it reminds you to pray for five people. This is always just to enhance your garden. So we've got this. And he goes to me, oh, Brian, uh, that's like a Russian chot key. And I'm like, I have no idea what we're talking about right now. So I went, oh, that's interesting. And he said, have you got one? And I went, no, 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 I I don't, you know, your grace. You call him your grace. I'm sorry, your grace, I don't have one. He goes, you can have mine. And I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, the Bishop of London's offering to give me his chot key. At that point, I didn't know what he meant. But I was like, oh, that'd be lovely. So he said, I'll just pop home and get it. So he walks out of St. Paul's Cathedral, leaves his whole entourage behind. Then he comes back in and he comes back in with this. And this is the bishop's chotki. It's a, it, they're prayer beads. Believe me, I'm not, I'm not now taking you down some Eastern Orthodox route or some other strange route. He comes in with these prayer beads. And he says to me, Brian, these were made for me by a Russian monk in Siberia called Father Mercury. So at that point, I thought I'd make a joke. So I said, was he any relation to Freddie? I don't know if you even know about Queen, right? So I said, any relation to Freddie? Just like you, no one laughed. Okay, no one laughed. And I'm standing there, embarrassed, in front of the bishop, but he gives me these prayer beads. These are the Bishop of London's prayer beads. And they, do you know what they do? When I sit in the morning, they help me stay focused. They help me remember to pray, to not forget. So I don't know, does any, do any of this, does this happen to any of you? Does your mind wander? Right, here's, here's what happens to me. It's Monday morning. I'm in my garden. For me, my garden is a chair. It's an armchair in my living room. I don't have any small people to bother me. I don't, nothing like that. I just get there in the morning. I make a nice coffee. I put my little lamp on. I sit down. I put my feet up. I get my Bible out. Here's my Bible. I get that out of my lap. I just get in a really chilled zone. I sit down. I think, do you know what? I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 just to get me in that kind of zone. So I start to read Romans chapter 12 and I'm thinking about Paul speaking to the church in Rome and how did the church in Rome somehow manage to found itself without even having the gospel but you know Paul's speaking in and oh it's an amazing chapter 12 is all about community and it's like this this is then how we shall live and I'm amazed that chapter if you ever get by the way if you ever get a chance read Romans 12 it is phenomenal but whilst I'm reading that trying to get into a prayerful thing little thought drops into my head I've never been to Rome I wonder how much I wonder how much flights are to Rome actually that reminds me I've got a friend who's from Italy we went round there the other week. We had some, uh, we had some great pasta. Oh yeah, we, we had pasta for dinner the other day. Where did we have that? Oh, we had that around my wife's mother's. Oh, when I was around my wife's mother's, we had pasta, but her dad was asking me if he could borrow my jet washer to wash his drive with. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should take my, I forgot to take it around. And then I'm thinking, do you know what I need to do? I should buy him a jet washer for Christmas. And before you know it, Right, my my meditation on the Romans twelve. I am on Amazon checking out mid-range w- pressure washers first thing in the morning because my mind has just gone off. Does that happen to anybody else? Not the pressure washer thing. Just the kind of mind go. It's called like a trance. We go into these weird little trances. We kind of just we just go. They're like bunny trails. Actually, psychologists call it mind wandering. We just, I mean, we do it all the time. Some of you are doing it right now because you're thinking, uh, yeah, honestly. We, it, and what happens is we have trigger words. You know, so it's like Rome, Italy, pasta. Before you know it, I'm on Amazon. And I'm away and you just wander. So if I hold something in my hand, it helps me stay focused. Helps me stay in the moment. Helps me just re- remember to pray. It brings me back to it. Actually, the, the myth is that St. Anthony de- developed these so that they would stop him from his mind wandering while he was praying. But you can do that with anything. I have a little, this is called a holding cross. Right? This, uh, the, guys, I'm not here to teach you anything weird. I'm just here to give you some tips that will help you in your garden. You know, so I hold, I, I, I lived in Ibiza for eight years, okay? So I am determined that every day I'll pray for Ibiza. Sometimes I forget. Do you ever say you're going to pray for someone and forget? Has anyone else ever done that? 
Just me then, okay? So I'm holding this, I'm holding this cross, and I've, I, got a, I, I carved, and really, it's a really wafty piece of carving. Wafty, people don't say that anymore. But I, I, typed, I carved in Ibifa, so that when I'm holding it, I remember to pray for Ibifa. So all I'm saying is, there are things that you can do to enhance your garden, to make it easier for you to remember to pray and to talk to God. That's why, we, that's why we've done the apps, because they, they really help with, you know, the Lectio 365 app that we developed, just helps people slow down, breathe in, take it easy, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's really, really super helpful for each one of us. So, so you need to, you need to develop your own garden, your place where you walk with God for pleasure, where you build a routine into your life that will sustain you. I started doing this when I was 20. I am now 52, right? I could not have survived as a Christian if I had just gone to church on Sunday. I am passionate about church on a Sunday. I think it's great. I love worship. I love teaching. And we all should be committed to our local church. It's a beautiful thing. But if you do not have a kind of regular garden where you just go, you and God, encountering his smile, then, then it, it just gets really difficult. It, this was proven during the pandemic when we couldn't go to church anymore. A lot of people struggled, really struggled. But you know what? On Google, searches for prayer went up by 50%, according to a recent study from uh, Copenhagen University. That people were looking for prayer more than anything else during the pandemic, a 50% increase worldwide. 24-7 prayer, we do prayer rooms. We normally have about 2,000 prayer rooms in 120 different nations every year. Okay, during the pandemic, we had 3,500 to 4,000 for two years. Dub, nearly double the amount of prayer during, during the pandemic. Because people realize when, it start, when stuff starts to get tough, they start to pray. But you know what you need to do? You need to build it in now so that it doesn't, you know, when it all goes, when it all goes pear-shaped again, you know, not that it's going to go pear-shaped again, don't worry. But you need to have this kind of routine, garden in your life. So I just want you to turn to someone else. Get, talk about one idea that you think could help you out of all the ones that I've talked about in praying, please. That'd be great. Okay, that's cool. I'm sure it was only one thing, so no worries too much. Okay, now next, just this sense of the garden. You have to understand that, that what are some of the, can someone tell me some of the things that you think would, that were good ideas? Anyone got any new ideas? Up the back. Writing things down. Do you know what? That's such a good one. I, I don't know about you, but I, so I'm one of these guys who says, I'm going to pray for someone. So if I say I'm going to pray for someone, by the way, I'm only showing this to teach you not to impress you. Okay? So if I say I'm going to pray for someone, I write their name down in, in, on my list, and then I, I determine I'll pray for them and probably until they're dead. That's, you know. So, because I don't like that idea where you say you'll pray for someone and then you don't do it. So, writing things down is super helpful. Writing people's names down is super helpful, but also writing your prayers down. I noticed over here in the corner we have a journaling section. You know, so there's, I sometimes, I, I, I don't know if you like this, but actually writing your prayers out. So, I write my prayers often in a journal. I just write them like I'm writing a letter to God. I just say, you know, dear God, having a really rubbish week, help me. Sometimes they're really, really good. Sometimes they're like really long and they're eloquent and I think like I'm a writer and all that kind of stuff. And then other weeks are just like two sentences. Do you know, and you don't have to do a journal every day, but it's just super helpful. So some of you might, 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 might just be thinking about that. Any other tips? Having an alarm on your phone. Do you know one of the biggest... That I've literally heard someone preach on that entire subject. You're a genius. Because they, one of the biggest enhancements to anybody's prayer life is an alarm clock. Seriously. Not an alarm like an old school one. We've all got them on your phone. But, but you're setting an alarm. You know, if you're going to pray, sometimes you just have to get up. And sometimes to get up, you just have to set an alarm. You know? And sometimes if you want to get up to pray, I found this other really interesting thing. If you go to bed earlier, not that it's a big deal. Do you know what I mean? But like, and, then, and then you get up earlier. So anyway, it's, alarm is, an, is a fantastic one. Any others? Did we have anything else there that was helpful? Yes. Leave your phone in the other room. Wow. Is that possible? Is that even possible? Can you leave your phone in another room? Here, let me read you something from Matthew chapter 6, because it leads right into this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples about prayer. But when you pray, 
interesting, Jesus talking about prayer. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And with these simple words, Jesus gives us some amazing advice on how to pray. When you pray, close the door, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in heaven. Now, this word room here is from the Greek word tamion. Okay, now the room in the middle of a house in Israel at that time, it was the only room. It was like the storeroom. It, so Jesus is saying, go into the storeroom. In fact, it was the only room in the house that probably had a lock. But here's the other interesting thing. It was the only room in the house that probably didn't have any windows. By windows, we're not talking glass. They had openings in their houses. But, so this was a closed-off room with no windows. That Jesus, so Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So he says, he says basically, remove distractions, close all the windows. How many windows do you have in your world? Right, I have, I have this window. That when I, that this window sitting here. I look in in the morning when it's right next to my bed sometimes. I have this window. So, because I'm, I'm, so I'm the international director of a prayer movement, right? So I have people that text me from Australia, from Iran, from Malaysia. So when I wake up in the morning, this morning I had just for I, I had a text from Holland. I had to hold it really far away. Spain, Australia, and some from England, some boring ones from England. Uh, so you know, and one from my son who sent me a photograph. Anyway, that's just, anyway, it's totally random. But it's a window. Look at me, I just got totally distracted by my WhatsApp, just even in the middle of a talk. I'm looking at WhatsApp, I'm now thinking, what was that photo my son sent me? But we have all these windows to our world, so we have to learn, like you said, maybe it is a good time for not having your phone with you. A friend of mine, a friend of mine called Mark, he, he leads a church in Melbourne in Australia. His church did this thing, it's called, it was called Reclaim the Hour reclaim the hour. What did he mean by that? He was meaning that reclaim the first hour of your day by not looking at any windows, by not opening any windows. Reclaim the first hour of your day. And so we have all these windows. But imagine if you thought, right, do you know what I'm going to do this morning? Rather than go on, I'm just going to sound old here, rather than going on Instagram or, you know, that sort of thing, I'm actually only on, I came off Facebook because I felt there was too, my grand, you know, my wife's mother was on there. When people in their 70s go on a social networking app, you know it's time to leave, don't you? Do you know what I mean? And even though I'm 50, I was like, I'm out of here. There's way too many people banging on about Brexit on this platform. I'm going. So I was off. So I'm out of Facebook. But Instagram. So I'm, and then I'm there. I'm, so, you know, it's so easy to go. That's where I go first thing. And I don't know about you, but if you hit a good, if you hit a good train of thought on the old reels, before you know it, 25, 30 minutes, you're just lying in bed, laughing at Labradors rolling about in mud when you could have been chatting with Jesus. Does that happen to anyone else? Maybe you laugh at other things, but you know, it, it just happens. So you need to so reclaim the first hour. So now what I try to do is I try not to look at any screens for the first hour of my day. Sometimes I win. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes I lose. And sometimes like I lose spectacularly. Do you know what I mean? Like really do. The other day I woke up at five o'clock. I thought, oh, this would be a really good time to pray. But I hadn't finished the series I was watching on Netflix. So I just got my iPad out, put my headphones on and watched that. So I'm, I'm, don't here, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to give you tips. But you have to realize we're all human and that we will occasionally make mistakes. But reclaim the hour. Get rid of those windows for the first hour. That's not me beating you up. I love technology. I think technology is the best thing ever. If there's an app for it, get it. It's wonderful. But just be careful. You know, it's interesting, you know, in Numbers, right, when you read Numbers in the Rebellion of Korah, I'm trying to do this from memory, from the, in the Rebellion of Korah, there's, this, there's a, a plague that breaks out. God is annoyed with them, and this plague breaks out. And uh, 
Moses and Aaron, it says, they fall face down. And then, Aaron, and then Moses says to Aaron, Aaron, quickly run to the fire. So Aaron gets up and he runs to the fire and he takes what he's got at the fire and he runs out and he stands in the middle of the crowd. And the verse says this, he stood between the living and the dead and the, and the plague stopped. And so, so what Aaron did was the first thing he did was he ran to the fire. He got something from the presence of God, the altar of God. And then he took that out into the world. And I don't know where we run first thing in the morning, but I want to run to the fire. I want to run to God. I want to run to him, the one who smiles at me, the one who likes me, the one who wants to walk with me and talk with me. I want to run and I want to communicate with him so that I can go out into this world and shine and be different and transform things. You know, because in the end, this is it, guys, and I'm I'm not going to go on for much longer, Jody, if that's all right, because I feel I'm getting a bit boring. But in the end, this is the reality. You are not just built to have this relationship for pleasure. You're built to have this relationship with God so that you could carry it to other people people. You're called to breathe in and breathe out. So when you pray, you're breathing God in. You're communing with him. You're connecting with him. But we're also called to breathe out. Prayer without mission is dead. Honestly, you need need both. And mission without prayer is dead. It just becomes like work where people are running around, charging about, trying to save everybody, but never talking to the God who helps them. So you need to learn to breathe in and breathe out. You do that well as a person. You have these pleasant times where you connect with God, where you meet with God, where God speaks to you, and then you carry that into the world, you'll transform people around you. You will. People will come and talk to you. Lives will get changed. People will get transformed. Prayer is not just some dull moment where you get to feel good and some sort of self-help policy and some kind of like, this is going to make me feel better and I'm going to do better out of life. Prayer is there to help you carry the kingdom of God to others. Honestly, that's what it's there for as well. So, so it's not just like about you, although God does a lot in you, but then that should shine out and emanate to those around you. When Moses came down from the mountain after meeting with God, it says he shone. He shone. They knew he'd been. You know, when the disciples came before the Sanhedrin, it says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So you need to learn to hear God's voice. And you do that by praying. You do that by spending time with him. I'm going to tell you one little story just to finish. So I told you at the beginning that my mum died when I was 11, right? So what happened was loads of people used to invite us for meals, you know, because they were, my dad, like, he couldn't cook. And so we used to go for meals, me and my three brothers, and we'd go along, and they would, back then in the 70s and the 80s, they used to put all the cakes out on the table. So you'd eat your meal, but the cakes would be there. And there were always three different levels of cake. There was like chocolate eclairs, there was like carrot cake, and then there was like Battenberg. Do you know what Battenberg is? It's yellow and pink. It's the cake that the devil's going to give you when you go to hell, right? So, it's, I mean, he literally, he'd be standing there. You'll go to hell and he'd be here. Have some Battenberg. Okay. And so, so, then, so there's these three levels of cake sitting there. So we're there. We're, and, and the other thing is I've got a, I've got a chubby brother. As I'm realizing that <laughs> I've got a little chubby brother. I've got me. I've got a brother who's really skinny. And I've got a taller brother. So there's a whole, we're different. So I, and when I was young, I loved food. I still love food. And so what would happen? We would be taken around these. You've got to picture this, right? We're taking around these people's houses. And the first thing that we did was we noticed all the cakes. And then you start to think, right, there's good cake, medium cake, devil cake. So what you would do, you think, right, if I don't finish my food first, I'm going to end up having to eat some Battenberg. So what you'd do, would you do this? You'd put your head down and you'd eat like this. It's called troughing. You're like a pig at a trough. And so you'd be like this, just stuffing it in. The other thing that would happen was the little old lady would bring the food in and she'd be like, oh, look at him, Brian. He's a bit like, you know, got man boobies. We're, gonna like, we're not going to give him so much. My skinny brother, Evan, let's give him 17 sausages. So he'd have 17 sausages. I'd have one sausage. I'd be sitting on the table. And I'd be, I'm exaggerating, not 17, but, you know, two or three. And I'd look over and I would go like this, steal a sausage from his plate. So not only would we be troughing like this, we'd be stealing sausages and things from each other's plate. Have you ever stole food from your sibling's plate? Yeah. But then you realise, oh no, I've now got loads of food on my plate. What am I going to do? There's so much food and I'm going to lose. I'm going to end up eating the devil cake. And it's going to be a nightmare because I'm going to have to eat it. It's covered in marzipan. It's pink and yellow. So this is what you do. You make sure your brothers see this. You get the eclair. You pick it up quickly when there's no adult looking. And you lick it. And then you put it back. So it's like a whole new thing. It's called lick it and claim it, right? And then the secret rule was if an adult somehow finished early and they ate the cake with your spit on it, that was tough, all right? But it was your way of claiming the cake. So you can imagine, 
you get the, you get the picture? We're stealing food, we're troughing, we're licking cakes. My dad didn't like this at all, right? He did not like it. Do you know what he used to do was this. When I would reach out to steal a sausage, he'd go, <clears throat> when my brother John would put his head down to the plate like this, he would go, <clears throat> and John would sit up. And when we went to reach out and to lick a cake, my dad would go, <clears throat> and he would control this whole room by these little, ahems, ahem. And do you know what I mean? Because I knew it was the ahem back in the day. If, if you keep messing around like this, when you get home, you will be punished. I just understood the tone of his little ahem. Everybody else thought he might have had a cough. But secretly, he was controlling the entire room with his little ahems. And then we read in Acts chapter 4 about Peter and John going up to Gate Beautiful. And you see, they've spent loads of time with Jesus, just like I've spent loads of time with my dad. I've hung out with him. I know the intonation of his voice. I know what his little hums mean because I've spent time in a garden with my dad. I know who he is. I know his smile. I know when he's not happy. I know when he's happy. He's my dad. I've spent loads of time with him. And so then you have Peter and John walking up to Gate Beautiful and they walk by a man, it says, that they've seen before at Gate Beautiful. And he says, he says, have you got anything? Have you got any money? And you know what? The Holy Spirit goes, ahem. Because if you spend time with God, he will start in your daily life to start going, ahem, ahem. And they stop and they look at the man and they go, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they heal the guy and he gets up and he jumps around and it's amazing. He says, do you know why? Because they responded to the ahem of the spirit. If you spend time in the garden enjoying God, learning about him, getting used to his smile, getting used to his voice, when you're out and about in the everyday world, you will all of a sudden hear these little ahem. You should go and talk to that person. Ahem. She's a bit sad. She needs a friend right now. Ahem. He's thinking this. Ahem. And you just learn to respond to the little ahems because you've learned about the voice of God in the quiet time. In the garden, when you've sat on your, your marble, when you've got in your car, when you've been on a walk, when you're down the gym, when you're practicing your prayer life, you start to understand that God is real. He journeys with you throughout your day and he wants to lead you to those around you who are broken, who need Jesus. And you know what? He's only got you to do it. So you have to learn to hear his voice. And we do that in prayer. So that's what I want to encourage you for. I hope you come back for some more. I'm just, I, do you know what I want to pray? If, if, is it okay if I pray for you? Can I, I, there's two things I want to pray. One is that you would find your garden. And two is that you would hear his voice. Is that okay? You'd find your garden and you'd hear his voice. So if you want to join with me in that, if you'd like to just, I'm going to commit to finding a garden and I'm going to commit to hearing his voice. I'd like you to stand with me and we'll pray together and I'll pray for us all. That, that'll be all we're going to do. Sorry, uh, ministry team. If there's anything that I've said today that you think, actually, I would like some more prayer for, we have got some guys here who would love to pray with you, and they'd be more than happy to do that. But I'm going to pray for each one of us. Father, I thank you for this wonderful group of people. I pray that you would help each one of us to find our garden, the place where we go to encounter you, to meet with you, to experience your smile, to hear your voice, and to walk for pleasure. And God, I pray for this group of people here today that you would unblock our ears so that we would hear you more clearly, that you would speak to us with those little ahems when we're out and about. Lord, that you would even start to do it while we're here, that you would give us words to share with our friends, that you'd give us words to share with others, that you would come and speak to us as we find our garden. In Jesus' name. Amen.